Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is, Our Rights Are Not Absolute. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With these IPI Policy Basics podcasts, we are building an audio library on basic policy concepts and topics for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy or who need to get up to speed on a particular issue. And so today I'm going to explain a fairly nuanced point. That is that our rights, while significant and vital, are not absolute. And I'm pleased to be joined today in the studio by our Director of Development and Events, Addie Crimmins, who I'm sure will be happy to chime in with her thoughts as well. So as I said, the topic today is our rights are not absolute. Now here at the Institute for Policy Innovation, we are big believers in individual liberty and civil rights. We believe accurately that our rights do not come from government and they do not come from a document. As our founders asserted, our rights predate government. They come from our inherent dignity as human beings. Government is not the source of our rights, but government is created by the people to secure our pre-existing rights. This rights-based view of the American founding is important, and we should be fierce defenders of our rights. But there is an important nuance to this that I think people commonly don't understand or who have never thought about before. And so that's why that's the subject of our IPI Policy Basics podcast today, that our rights, while important, are not absolute. So what do I mean by rights not being absolute? Well, let's talk about several examples. And then we'll talk about sort of how this applies to some of the debates that we see today. Let's start with the First Amendment. So the First Amendment guarantees the right to free speech, a free press, freedom of assembly, freedom to protest, and of course, freedom of religion. And uh, most people are familiar with the First Amendment, and most people think it's really, really important. Uh, All of us care about the First Amendment at various times for various reasons. Sometimes it gets in our way, but most of the time, most people are big defenders of the First Amendment. But there are limits on all of these rights. On free speech, for instance, as most people know, or as most people have heard, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't slander or libel or defame another person. You can't improperly or dishonestly label food products. These are all limits on free speech. You can't stroll into Walmart and start giving your hot political speech of the day. There are actually a lot of limitations on speech. So our free speech rights, while important, are not absolute. How about a free press? Well, again, there are limitations on this right. Just because you're in the press doesn't mean you can libel or defame someone. You can't print up on a printing press flyers announcing a planned insurrection against the government. These are all limitations on a free press. How about freedom of assembly? Can a mob just gather anywhere at any time for any purpose? No, of course not. Can you hold a public meeting and say, but blacks and Jews are not allowed? No, of course not. Freedom of assembly is not an absolute right. So it's a right, just like the free press is a right, just like free speech is a right, but they're not absolute. There are limits on all of these rights. How about freedom of religion? Most of us would agree that freedom of religion is among our most sacred rights, but even our freedom of religion is not absolute. 
can a Haitian Santeria priest set up an altar in a public park and start slaughtering and sacrificing chickens and goats? No, he can't. The courts have found that that is a limitation on his freedom of religion. Can a Catholic priest set up an altar in the aisle at Walmart and start holding a mass? Now, I don't know why he would want to do that, but even if he did, can he do it? No, he can't. But what about my freedom of religion, you might ask? Yes, we do have freedom of religion, just like we have freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of the press, but they're not absolute rights. They all have limitations. All of our rights, while important, have limitations. Now let's talk about the Second Amendment. Now this is one that's probably very important to most of the people listening to this podcast, right? You have a right to keep and bear arms. But do you have a right to stockpile nuclear weapons in your basement? Well, no, of course you don't. Can you stockpile chemical and biological weapons? No, you can't. Those are arms. Those are arms. So you could argue that a shoulder-fired nuke is an arm that you have a right to keep and bear, but of course you can't. Can you set up a row of cannons and point them at your neighbor's bedroom window? No, of course you can't. I don't know why you'd want to, but you can't. So you don't have an absolute unlimited right to keep and bear arms either. You have a critical right. You have an important right, but it's not absolute. All of our rights have limits. Now let's talk about property rights, another right that is very, very sacred to conservatives and to believers in the free market. Property rights are critical. They're the whole foundation of the free market economy. Without property rights, you can't have contracts. You can't do business. You can't buy or sell. You can't invest. You can't start a business. But are your property rights absolute? No, they're not. For one thing, there's eminent domain. If a public use demands the taking of your property for an easement or some other public purpose, that can be done. Your property right is not absolute. Just because you own a piece of property in a neighborhood doesn't mean you can put a hog farm on it. Just because you own an empty lot in your neighborhood does not mean you could set up an all-night cannon firing range on your property. And no matter how many no trespassing signs you put up on your property, if someone is fleeing from bodily harm, they're allowed to cross your property. They're even allowed to enter your home without your permission in order to seek refuge from bodily harm. The courts have long found these to be true. So your property rights, again, while important, are not absolute. Now, I hope these have been enough examples to sort of prove this point that our rights, while important, while critical, are not absolute, and they all have limitations. Now, at this point, you may be thinking that I'm making a big deal out of nothing, that this is just sort of a tedious distinction. But there are actually a lot of areas of public policy where a lot of confusion arises when people start from an assumption that one of their rights is absolute. But let's talk for a second about why our rights cannot be absolute. And the reason is simple, because other people have rights too. The reason that a priest cannot exercise his religious right and set up an altar in Walmart is that Walmart also has rights. They have property rights. The reason I can't point a cannon at my neighbor's house is that my neighbor has the right of peaceful enjoyment of their property. If you had an absolute right, it is inevitable that your right would end up infringing on someone else's right. And as is commonly said, the flip side of rights is responsibility. 
it's not enough for us to defend our rights. We have to also defend the rights of others. And if you're going to defend the rights of others, if you're going to recognize that those around you also have rights, that means you cannot have an absolute right. And as we've already discussed, our rights don't come from a document. So when you point to the Bill of Rights and say, I don't see any asterisk here next to the Second Amendment, you're kind of working from an assumption that your rights came from that document in the first place. But of course, they don't. Your right to self-defense and to protect what's yours comes from your inherent dignity as a human being, not from any document. But of course, everyone around you has the same inherent dignity. So for you to exert an absolute unlimited right would actually be to argue against the inherent dignity of your fellow human beings, and it would be an argument for your own superiority. Now, if our rights come from our inherent human dignity, so does our responsibility to respect and defend the rights of others. Now, let's talk about some real specific examples of where these distinctions actually matter. We're recording this podcast in February of 2021. That means we're just about a full year into the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's been a lot of debates about limitations on rights as a result of the restrictions that government has put on people because of the pandemic. Uh, the, the restrictions have varied from state to state, sometimes even from county to county. Here in Texas, in some counties, you were, the restaurants were able to open, and in other counties, they were not, or they were subject to different restrictions. And there's been a lot of chatter among a lot of our conservative friends and brethren that works from the assumption somehow that our rights are absolute and no government at any time for any reason has the right to tell me, for instance, that I must wear a mask when I walk into the grocery store or that gatherings of larger than 250 people are not permitted or that public facilities have to enforce social distancing and things like that. And again, all of these complaints have arisen from this idea somehow that our rights are absolute, that I look at the Bill of Rights and I don't see an asterisk next to the freedom of religion. I don't see an asterisk next to the freedom of assembly. And those arguments, no matter how passionate they are, are all flawed because they come from an assumption that our rights can be absolute. Now, no doubt, there are restrictions in some states and in some areas that have gone too far, that have been unreasonable. Courts have had to throw out some of the governor's restrictions in different states. Uh, the various restrictions have evolved and changed over time. In general, it seems like red states have been more willing to be open than blue states have been. Uh, these things all work out in the marketplace. They all work out in practice. And of course, we have the right, of course, to aggressively defend our liberties and to sue if we think that a government has gone too far in restricting one of our rights and to let the courts work those things out or to petition our government to complain to our elected leaders that your restrictions are unreasonable and we want to see them changed. That's all part of the process. But any argument against the COVID-19 restrictions that comes from an assumption somehow that my freedom of movement is absolute or my freedom of religion is absolute or my freedom to assemble is absolute is a flawed assumption. Again, the whole reason that we've done this Policy Basics podcast is to point out this subtle but important point that your rights are not absolute. Now, another area where this comes up is the current furor over social media and free speech. 
And it's commonly asserted by people that if, if they post something on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and it gets blocked or filtered or taken down, somehow that their free speech rights are being violated. But of course, we've already discussed the fact that while we have important free speech rights, they're not absolute. So what happens when your free speech runs into conflict with the property rights of the company that owns the website? So you post a comment on the website of, say, the New York Times, and they delete your comment or block their comment, and you think you're being censored. Well, all that's really happened is that your free speech has run into a clash with their property rights. And neither they nor you, as a speaker, have an absolute right. Both of those rights are limited. So a lot of the discussion that we see right now about free speech online and on platforms and blocking and filtering and things like that, again, are very often traced to a faulty assumption that somehow we have a right, an absolute right, an unlimited right to free speech, and we don't. Now, here's one I think is particularly interesting, and this is on this issue of constitutional carry. Now, not everyone may be familiar with this issue, and I'm not, in the course of this podcast, taking some kind of a position on this, but there's a very big movement in a lot of states, and Texas is one of them, for something called constitutional carry. And what they mean by constitutional carry is this. I look at the Second Amendment. I see no limitations or restrictions in the Second Amendment. I see no asterisk next to the Second Amendment. And so what that means is that the Constitution gives me an absolute right to carry a firearm anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances that I want to. And if if the state or the federal government put any limitations on me whatsoever, That's a violation of my right to constitutional carry. Now, as we've discussed now for about 15 minutes on this podcast, none of our rights are absolute. They all have limitations. Let's talk about constitutional carry. Suppose that I'm throwing a dinner party at my house for for three couples, and uh, the last couple to arrive walks in the door, and they both carry in uh, pump-action shotguns over their shoulders. And uh, one of the guests who's already at the dinner table sees this and is very flustered and made uncomfortable by this and made visibly nervous by this. And so I ask my late arriving guest, would you do me a favor and just leave your shotguns in the car? And let's just speculate that the guest would say, no, I have an absolute right to constitutional carry. I can carry this firearm anywhere I want to. The Constitution gives me that right. Well, Does he have a right to carry a gun into my home or do my private property rights also come into play? And do I have the right to say, you know, I I appreciate your strong feelings about this, but you're making my guests nervous. So I'm going to have to ask you to either put your shotgun back in the car or we'll have you guys over for dinner another time. Well, of course I have the right to do that. That's just common sense. But if I have the right to exclude, am I violating his absolute right to carry his firearm? Well, as you might guess, he doesn't have an absolute right to carry his firearm because none of our rights, not even the Second Amendment, are absolute. All of our rights have limitations. Now, again, our rights are critical. They're important. Uh, People died and have continued to die over the years to defend American liberty and our, our rights as individuals and our rights as a free society. So the purpose of this podcast today is not to undermine the idea that our rights are critical and important. 
but it is rather to correct a false idea, a false assumption that people very often make, which is this idea that our rights are absolute. None of our rights can be absolute because those around us also have rights. And as a final important reminder, remember that our rights do not come from the text of a document. All of our rights, whatever we assert as a right, as an American or as a human being, logically comes before the Constitution. And since your rights don't come from a document, the specific text of the document does not completely define the bounds of your right. You may have more rights than are described in the Constitution. Or rights that you have in the Constitution may be bound by certain limits. These bounds of our rights have been decided over many decades by lawmaking, court decisions, expanded scientific and technical development, and don't forget our own human common sense. So I hope this has been an interesting topic for you. Admittedly, it's somewhat nuanced, but very important. We need to always remember in our policy thinking and advocacy that our rights, while important, are not absolute. Now, you can find out a lot more about our constitutional rights and constitutional governance in general at our website at IPI.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast or found it to be valuable, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.